Alrighty, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, my name is Barry William Magladidi, back for another episode of the Comeback Game podcast and this Freedom Session. Uh, we've got stable Wi-Fi, so we're good to go. And today I'm really excited to introduce you guys to seasoned entrepreneurs giving back to the business community. Meet the men who have overcome every obstacle. These adventurers, entrepreneurs and philanthropists have much to teach businesses about responsibility, success and the bravery that services a moment when everything is on the line. Join us as we share raw and inspiring stories that help businesses improve their lives. Uh, I'd like to introduce the three men here. Uh, first of all, Nigel Bennett is the founder of Acro Group and author of Take That Leap. Uh, Todd Palmer is a six-time Inc. 5000 CEO and president and business coach. And Andy Biting, who's a certified scaling up business coach and founder of the C and CEO of the Tulip Media Group. Gentlemen, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thanks, Mary. I'm yeah. super grateful to have you here. And uh, this is actually my first time having three guests in one time. Cool. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling great today. We get that a lot. Yeah. yeah we do. So, so before we dive into kind of, I guess, how the three CEOs came about, I just want to take a quick moment to welcome all the guests who are watching us live uh, on the different platforms, on social, from across the world. Uh, welcome to the show. Can you do two things for me? First thing, uh, make sure you hit the like button just to let us know that you are there. Uh, Rafi from my team is across all the different platforms, feeding your questions, comments through to here, which leads me to the second ask, and that is ask any questions, uh, anything you want to share throughout the episode so we can make it as interactive and tailored to you as possible. So guys, how did the three CEOs come about? Uh, I, think, um, I think this is a question for Andy. Andy, yeah, I'll, I'll sort us off. Are you, <laughs> I don't know if it's because I have the biggest mouth or what it is, but... Uh, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay, thanks. Um, so the three of us have known each other for probably, we're coming on to 20, you know, 17, 17, 18 years type of thing. And uh, we all met up, we all took part in a program in Boston called the Birthing of Giants. Uh, Vern Harnish uh, was putting it on part of EO and MIT. And uh, we all met up there and we all continued our, our class it was a three-year program. Our class and a couple of other classes continued with an alumni group called the Gathering of Titans. And we've all been a member of that for a long time. 16, so 17 gather, years. Yeah. Yeah. We gather at, MI, at an MIT campus in Boston for a week a year for learning and sharing and supporting one another. And that, that's, that's how we, we've gotten to know each other. Wow. So, so what's the presence behind the three CEOs? Like, how do you guys come together to, to really assist business owners these days? Yeah, what, what we were doing is um, we, we've been classmates for so long. And, um, well, I've, I've got a bit of gray hair, so I'm kind of an elder now. And uh, I chatted with the, these two guys from my class, uh, Todd and Andy, and we really, really felt that it was kind of our time to start giving back to the entrepreneurial community around the globe. So what we did is we, 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 we set it up so we could go and physically speak to entrepreneurs organization chapters around the globe, right? Starting in Canada and the United States, and then go from there. And then COVID hit. And so what we did is we've been doing it online. So we've been talking to entrepreneurs, organization chapters throughout North America and London. We did Kuala Lumpur about a month ago and, uh, and then also podcasts like yourself. So it's, it's, we're basically sharing our lessons from the edge, things that we've, we've been, we've all been smacked and how do we bring ourselves out of that and um, thrive? Hey, Todd. Right. I, I, I'd love to talk about that a little bit. I'm not sure how much you guys know about our podcast, The Comeback Game, but we started a couple of years ago because 
I was seeing this kind of um, boom in the marketplace on social where everyone was sharing their highlight reels. And it was almost this narrative that, you know, like if you hire the right coach, uh, you know, you resolve all your problems and life will be beautiful, amazing. You never experience problems again. And it's just bullshit. You guys know as well as I do. But I also noticed something inside myself. And that was that, like, I knew that I had those days where I'm like, this is the best day in the world. Like maybe the day that I made my first sale or, you know, had, had, a, had a child or something like that. But I, I, I knew I had those days, but I couldn't really remember those days. Yet the days that I could remember were the days that I faced the, the biggest of adversities and challenges in my business career because those, those were the days that shaped who I am today. Those were the days that really determined who I am as a character, as, as, as a man, as, as, as a partner, as a father, as a business owner. So I'm curious to know, like, I'd love you guys to share, like, what have been the biggest challenge or adversity that you guys individually have overcome in your history and in time of being a business owner? Well, it's ironic that I'm the next step in the rotation because I think one of my story is pretty, pretty gruesome and pretty horrible. So uh, 10 years into my journey as an entrepreneur, um, I, I thought I had a lot of things figured out and I got detached from my business. And in that process, I hired other people, I hired the wrong people, and I stopped paying attention. So as, as the entrepreneur, it's my responsibility. And I know as Andy and I coach people, we often point out to them, it's their, your responsibility to be the steward of your organization. But I was such a bad steward of my ship. I might as well have been the uh, captain of the Titanic. And we got uh, $600,000 in debt, two months away from running out of all of our money. I was going to lose my house. I was a single parent at the time. And you talk about the negatives you remember. Well, my negatives were, were meeting as a committee and I called it the itty bitty shitty committee. And it was telling me how much I sucked. <laughs> My imposter sitting was screaming at me to the point where I nearly gave up. But in my last minute, I went out and hired a coach and he helped me turn the business around. He taught me some financial literacy. Um, I was able to go, explain to my son that we're not going to file for bankruptcy, that we are going to find our way out of this. And he was 11 at the time, looking at me like I'm a crazy human being. And um, long, long story short, I, I redid the organization. I fired everybody in one day, started over. And in that process came up with a way to hire for, for DNA, not for resume. And over the next seven to eight years, we paid off all the debt and made the Inc. 5006 times as one of the fastest growing companies wow. in America. So that, that was a pretty crappy day, September 9th, 2006. Yeah. And I guess just to kind of follow on from that, like what were some of the core lessons you've learned now looking back at that? Like, like first and foremost, like kudos to you for, for sticking in and coming through it. And secondly, like for the example that you set for your son, as right. well, like, like instilling that in him at 11 years old is incredible. Todd, tell the story about your son. You got to yeah, tell so, him. So, so I told the story. <laughs> the impression. This is one of Andy's favorite stories, and, and that makes one of Andy one of my favorite people. So my son is now 29. <laughs> he's, a, he's a CPA accountant, and I figured, you know, he would just never want to become an entrepreneur. So he grads, graduates college, and we're, we, he said, I want to go on a trip with my dad. To, to reconnect, and now that I'm going through university, let's go to Machu Picchu and go hiking in Peru. And I know Nigel and other people in our group have been over there and like, awesome, this is gonna be so much fun. And we're trekking up the hill and I'm the oldest guy going up the hill that day and I'm feeling my age. And he starts talking to me and he says, you know, now that you've kind of done your entrepreneurial journey, tell me about your coaching practice. And I'm telling you a little bit about that. He goes like, you've got to make sure you tell everybody why you didn't file for bankruptcy. And I'm like, I don't really remember it. And he stops me and he's like, that moment changed my life. He goes, because I told him, I said, we don't quit anything. We're Palmers. We don't quit anything. And we don't give up until the very last minute. And we, we do everything we possibly can. We turn over every rock and every stone 
to, 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 we can look at ourselves in the mirror and say, we did our very best. And I said to him, his name is Tyler. I said, at that point, when you were 11, I had not done my very best. I had not dealt with my imposter syndrome. I had not leaned through that uncomfortable part. And long story short, he's like, that changed my life. When I wanted to quit college, I thought of that story. When I wanted to give up on my first job, I thought of that story. I thought if my dad can you know, have 600,000 reasons to quit, just because I don't like my boss on the state isn't a good reason for me to quit. Just because I'm not doing well in this class isn't a good enough reason for me to quit. And it's just carried forward so much. I had dinner with him tonight, told him I was going to do this. And I told him, hey, if I get a chance, I'm going to tell that story. So I got I to thank my friends Nigel and Andy for teeing that story up. It's one of my absolute favorites. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I, I guess a, a message or invitation to the parents out there, like just realize how much your kids are, are watching you, whether you believe it or not right now, they're watching you. They're watching every movement. They're watching how you show up in life. And we have a responsibility as parents, not just for our own lives, but to set that example that we wish to create for our kids as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we need to talk to guys like Nigel and Andy. They both got great parenting stories. I know, you know, N Nigel took his family literally around the world once he got through his, his doorknob effect story about how he just hated going into his company every day. Yeah. Who, who's next then? Are we going to go to Andy or are we going go to go to Andy? Let's go to Andy. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, you know, we, you talk about the comeback and uh, – um, you, you know, my, I, we all, I mean, we all ha faced adversity and like Nigel will say, we've gone through difficult times. We've gone through recessions, you know, we've lived through them and, you know, we're here to share with others going through tough times that, you know, you, you too can get through it. And for me, it was uh, in the last recession in 2008, 2009, I was growing my, then it was in the home and garden retail business. And scaling the business quickly. We we're uh, passing 10 million in sales with 125 employees. And then the recession hit and I get a, out of the blue, I get a call from my bank. And uh, my bank manager says, you know, Andy, they, they, um, uh, with everything going on in the, in, in, in the US right now with the banking industry, the bank has not changed their lending practices, but we have downgraded the risk rating of your industry. And since one third of your risk rating is tied to your industry risk rating, that means, you know, your risk rating has gone down by one point. And I said, well, what does that mean? You know, she said, well, it means you no longer qualify for the loans that you have. And we had just made a massive expansion uh, in that business. And, um, and I said, well, bottom line, what does it mean? She said, the bank's going to call everything you have with us. So within two weeks, registered letters came into the lawyer's office. You know, we, uh, so, you know, they, they called everything and we had multiple retail, uh, like, uh, uh, developments. Uh, so we had real estate, we had operating loans, we had, uh, receivable loans. We had, you know, we, we were high, fairly highly leveraged and these letters came in and I was, we, we basically, we put everything in, we were hyper-focused on growth and we were going to grow our way out of this, right? As an entrepreneur, you're going to grow your way out of any problem that you may come across. And I did that and we did some real estate deals. We did some sales and leasebacks, divested some uh, holdings and we bought ourselves about 18 months worth of life. So we, we held on for about a year and a half. And it, it was about that time when, you know, I, I just couldn't, it was gaining on us. We couldn't outrun it. We couldn't get ahead of it. So the way I put it to my team is that I said, we've been running, we've been outrunning this pit bull for the last 18 months. And 
we're not getting away from it. In fact, it's gaining on us. So what we're doing is we're essentially going to stop in our tracks. We're going to turn around. We're going to face this. And we may not come out of the other end. You know, best case scenario, we come out, we restructure everything. But worst case scenario, this could end badly. Mm -hmm. But here's what I need everyone to do. And everyone was hyper-focused on what they needed to do. So it was great to really align everybody. You talk about prioritizing. We were prioritized. We knew what what needed to be done. And so we went through bankruptcy protection, tried to do the restructuring, got most of it done, but the one key component we did not get done, which was a new banking deal. And that was the biggest one. And we just couldn't pull it off. And we got together, the lawyers, the receivers, everybody was there and basically told them that we could not pull this together, that we, we had the business kind of segregated in two components, that one, we were just going to let it go. We basically told them, do what you need to do. And in two days, they had seized all the assets there. The other one, we had made an offer to buy all that back, all the original business, to buy all the assets back, the real estate, everything back. And, um, and, and it was interesting because, you know, they, they foreclosed on one half of the business right away. And then the other half, they, we were negotiating back and forth. And we basically offered them 100 cents on the dollar for what was owed against that business, that part of the business. And I get a call one Tuesday morning and it basically it was the receiver that I, the bank's receiver that I unfortunately had gotten to know all too well at this point. He said, if you want to tell your staff, if you want to tell your, your employees, you can tell them right now that we're showing up in 30 minutes and taking everything. And that was my, uh, that was the reality. So they walked in the front door. They literally, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you have, there's a key right here, but they had to do the dramatic effect, put the chains in the front door, close the whole place down. Everything was gone that day. And that was, uh, that was a very, very low moment for me, for sure. Cause it's not what we expected at all. And, you know, it was a couple of weeks or a few days later, week, maybe a week later, I was meeting a mentor of mine for a coffee and I, I said, you know, this guy I'd known for a long time. We met for a coffee, talked the whole thing through. And I remember he, there was a couple of memorable events that day. One is he told me something that I never, ever forgot. And he said, you know what, Andy? He said, I'm not worried about you. I said, what do you talk? What do you mean? And he said, you're an entrepreneur. You've always been an entrepreneur. And by definition, being an entrepreneur means that you will figure it out. You will yeah. find a way to put one foot in front of the other and you'll make this work. And he said, the way I look at it is that you were, you were really good in a really bad industry. Why don't you go and be good in a good industry? And I never, ever forgot those words that being an entrepreneur, I mean, it's the most secure job in the world because you will figure it out. The unfortunate thing is I left that. So one of the things that happens with um, Canadian bankruptcies, bankruptcy law is that when you go bankrupt, the, anything that you've personally guaranteed you get filed lawsuits. So I was getting lawsuits from the banks, from uh, leasing companies, from, you know, uh, yeah, different financial institutions. I was, I was getting lawsuits from contractors, getting lawsuits from anybody that I owed money to. And uh, I had no choice but to file personal bankruptcy because it was, you know, over a period of two weeks, I had over $6 million in lawsuits sitting on the kitchen counter. And when my wife is asking, when are these lawyers going to stop showing up at the front door during dinner hour, which is when they always want, always want to come by. So I had no choice but to file personal bankruptcy. And 
when I left that meeting with my mentor, I've told the story before where I walked out and I was in such a rush to get there. I parked illegally and I had a parking boot on my car and I called up the number that they gave to, you know, to take this boot off and it was going to cost $130 to take off. And I remember looking at my bank balance. I had $195 in my personal bank account. And that was the lowest of the low for my financial situation. So paid the guy off, you know, but then they started to rebuild, right? And it started to, it was never going to allow that to happen to me again. A, you know, I, I learned that there's always opportunities. You don't have to go all in on the next new one. Like if the, if this opportunity doesn't work, work out, there's a lot of other opportunities down the road. So there's always new opportunities. I'm a big believer in divesting, like having different revenue streams right now. I do real estate development, uh, coaching, and I have Tula Media. And, you know, so there's three different revenue streams. You know, if one goes down, there's not a, not an issue like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, learned a lot of lessons through that, for sure. Yeah. And just stick-to-itiveness, like what Todd talks about. Just sticking with it and seeing it through and making it work. Yeah. I really like yeah. what you shared there, Andy. The, the advice from mentor is that you were really good in a, in a, in a bad industry. Um, and yeah. I see that a lot, you know, these accident entrepreneurs that kind of end up in business, they're actually quite smart business owners, but they're in just the wrong fit for them and wonder why they can't get ahead. But then also, like I meet a lot of business owners that, that aren't very smart, that aren't very good business owners, but they're just in the right niche and they've got yeah. this business. They don't even know how they're doing a million bucks a month. They're like, I don't even know how I got here. They, they couldn't tell you how they got there. I had an interesting interview with uh, Gina Wickman uh, a couple of days ago. And he's launched his new book, The Entrepreneurial Leap, which he's got an assessment that helps people to identify, like, should they be working B2B, B2C? Should it be in product businesses or service businesses? And should it be, you know, high ticket, uh, low volume or high volume, low ticket, which, which again, starts to take some of the guessing game out of, out of where we should be playing the game. But, um, you know, experiences like that really harden us, right? And really allow us to, to I guess, make different decisions. But, you know, sometimes it's that pickheadedness that we have as entrepreneurs yeah. that, that prevent us from leaving the business and, and going somewhere else that might be an easy option because we want to make this work. Yeah. And it's, it, it's hard because it was a family business for me too. I never really truly enjoyed it as much as my, <laughs> my, my father would have when he started yeah. it. It was kind of the business I got. I always, always passionate about business, but that was the business I got. It was never yeah. one that I chose personally, yeah. which I find interesting too. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, wow. Nigel, then, like, man, yeah. So, it is, I mean, it's really interesting because, Andy, I, I say this. Um, we've we've got a lot of commonalities there because I, I was in a family business for a bunch, for actually ten years right out of high school. Yeah. I was working for my father's um, environmental mapping company, and it took me to ten different countries around the world. But after that tenth year, <laughs> I was in Egypt, and um, my father got arrested and thrown in jail. And I basically had to escape out of the country and then work from London to help get him out. He got out after about six months. It was really horrific. But what I realized was uh, the tough part was that there was some ethical stuff that was going on and it didn't jive with me. And my sister was working for our company too. So we, I, ba- I basically came home after he was released and I, um, I grabbed my sister and we left and we formed our own, aqua, uh, we own, our own company called AquaGuard Spill Response. And what we do is we design and manufacture equipment for uh, responding to oil spills, you know, marine oil spills around the world. Wow. 
And uh, so I, but, but then again, we were in this little tiny company. We had a little shingle over our head and we had, we did have some customers because I traveled a lot. We didn't really have a lot of products and all this. So I was, I left, I lived for years after that designing equipment and skimming systems. But um, as, as Todd said, I call it the doorknob effect. So I was living like a lot of entrepreneurs. I would get up in the morning and I would get in the shower and I would shower and I would be thinking, okay, or can we make payroll this week? Can we, who, who can we hire anybody? Do I have to lay people off? And it was every morning in the shower like that. I'd go to work. I'd touch the, I'd reach for the doorknob and the doorknob would be vibrating because I knew as soon as I stepped into my office, it was going to be total chaos and like a bee's nest. Nigel, I need this. I need this. So I lived like that for about 20 years. And a, a buddy of mine was a football player, uh, an American football player, big 300 pound guy. And he had joined uh, the entrepreneur, the young entrepreneurs organization. It was called at the time. It's called the entrepreneurs organization now. And he saw what I was going through. And he literally came up to me, he grabbed me by the scruff of the neck. And he said, you're coming with me to a meeting. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't have time for any of this bullshit. You know, I, I, I've got three little kids. Uh, I've got a business that's, you know, I can barely survive. I don't have time to hang out with a bunch of pompous millionaire, you know, type guys, which that's what I thought everybody was. The business owners are all multimillionaires, which wasn't true. Um, <laughs> so, so I ended up joining the entrepreneurs organization, which took me to, MIT, where I met Andy and Todd and all these guys. And, um, but I was living in chaos. I was still in chaos. And I know you mentioned something about a coach earlier. And I had hired, I'd had a coach that helped me break away from my father's company. And then I, and then I had just hired a coach before I went to MIT. And I'm sitting, I, I had the same thing that Todd said, this itty bitty shitty thing going around in my head. I don't belong here with all these smart people because um, I got ADD, I'm dyslexic. And I'm driving up to MIT and I'm almost ready to vomit because I feel that I just don't belong here. And I get into the class, there's 75 entrepreneurs and I sit in the back. And Vern Harnish stands up at the front and he, and he says, hi, you know, I'm Vern Harnish, I'm your facilitator. And I'm sitting there all quiet. And he said, how many of you guys out there, how many of the 75 of you have a coach? And you know, I thought, oh, these guys are smart. So I, I put my hand up, I put my head down. And he said, only three of you, only three of you guys have coaches. And this was 17 years ago. And I thought, oh, wow, I, I've, I've actually, I've got a coach. This is, I thought everybody had coaches. And he said, let me tell you, every successful person, and he used uh, Michael Dell, Bill Gates, uh, and Steve Jobs as examples. He says, have one or multiple coaches. And um, so I, I, I'd had this coach and I remember when I met him, he said, Nigel, if somebody came up to you and offered you something for your business to take it off your hands right now, what would that be? And I said, $1, <laughs> just, just like that, $1. Because I just wanted my freedom back. I wanted my life back. I'd lived in absolute chaos for so many years. So I'm one of the fortunate ones. I know there's good coaches and bad coaches. I'm, a, I'm one of the very fortunate ones. I worked very hard for 10 years with my coach and we created an asteroid belt. We knocked out of all the little asteroids and worked our way through everything. And I, and I found what I was doing is I wanted my freedom back from my business so much. I was parachuting in C-suite leaders. I was, I was grabbing a CEO from a, uh, a competitor. I was, and I, I'd call him CEO. Then it didn't work. Three years goes, and I hired another one. I called him a general manager and that didn't work. So then I called this other guy a managing director. I switched around, nothing worked. And I kept letting these guys go. 
all the while I did not realize, I was too stubborn to realize that we were organically growing people inside the business. And now my partner now is a, is a guy that's been with me since he was 17 years old, started sweeping the floor wow. in the business, worked us all the way up through sales and marketing and finance. And he's 40, I'm 58. And what I was able to do uh, in 20, 2012, I was able to, with the help of my coach, I was able to set the business up to run without me. And I was able to take a year off and I traveled with my family. And I was paranoid for the first three months that the, the business was going to implode. But the longer I stayed away and I was in Bali where you are right now, I was surfing. We did the end of the summer. We're kind of, we're Canadian surfers. We're not that great, but we love to do it. And um, <laughs> we traveled the world and we surfed, right? And, um, and, every, and as, as the months went by, I'd call, you know, three times, a, you know, three times a week to my office. By the fifth month, I was calling like once a month, checking in with the office. I got back. My business was there. It was the best thing that I had ever done. And I spent all that time with my family. And, um, and so what I also found is my, I had a chat with my, um, my football friend because he saw, that, saw when I was young, I spent most of my time in Southeast Asia trying to get this business going. And I never saw my young kids. And he said, Nigel, um, no business is worth no business crisis is worth losing your family over. And that really resonated with me. And so I re I re I retweaked everything and made sure that I spent as much time as I could with my kids when I was in town and at their football matches and their ice hockey and whatnot. And now we're, now they're all in their mid twenties and we surf together and we we're, we're super close and yeah. Um, so I can't remember what the point I was going to make here. I kind of went off track, but <laughs> I hope you got something uh, look, out of that. Yeah. <laughs> look, incredible stories, incredible insights into the adversities and challenges you guys have been through. Uh, just ask those that are watching us live or, or on replay today, welcome. Uh, so grateful that you're here. Please post your comments and questions below. We'll get them answered. There's a few coming in now, I'll get to in a second. Um, before I do, though, I, I guess, and I'm sure you guys agree, like business doesn't have to be that hard. Like we've all got those moments where things have been overwhelming or, you know, we've had decisions to make we, that, we, that we prolonged making and haven't made. We've procrastinated. We've all experienced imposter syndrome, no doubt. The business doesn't actually have to be that hard. I think what makes it hard is the fact that, that our ego, our stubbornness prevents us from going out and seeking help of people that have been there and done that. I don't mean, I don't mean some fly-by-night coach who's just, you know, completed some certification, like, like kudos to them for wanting to be a coach. But I mean, going and finding help of someone who's been there, who's got the track record of, you know, growing their own businesses and growing other people's businesses. Because at the end of the day, like anything in life, it's a strategy. Like if you want to lose weight, go and seek a mentor that, that has lost weight and kept weight off and helped other people do the same thing. If you want to grow your finances, go and speak to someone who not, not just is a financial planner, but that someone who actually has a track record of growing their own finances and finances for their clients. And business is the same. And I think looking back at myself, like I was just way too stubborn. Like when I started my entrepreneurial journey, part of what allowed me to be an entrepreneur was that pig-headed determination and that stubbornness. But that was also my greatest Achilles heel. That was also the thing that, that, that prevented me from getting where I am now, like 10 years ago, because yeah, I was yeah. so goddamn stubborn and wasn't willing to invest the time or the money to seek professional help to help me grow my business. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That, and, and, you know, I think we've all suffered from that. I know that, you know, the, the, you know, I knew you mentioned Gino Wickman was on your show. Gino's from Detroit, like I am, and you know, he's he's his program has been transformative, just like Burns' program with the Scaling Up guys. And for me, it, you know, the the biggest bottleneck in any with any client that I coach, it's always the it's always the CEO. 
it's always the leader, the bottlenecks at the top of the bottle. It was me, as, as Barry just mentioned, it was him. And you know, I had, a, I had a client, for example, that was struggling so badly with making decisions around the most important thing of any business, in my opinion, and it's people. Yeah. And he had, he had two leaders who were just not executing, and he had, the, for like for years, he got rid of the, eventually, we, got, we leaned through the uncomfortable, he made some tough choices. His revenue grew 70%. His profits yeah. grew 500%, and now he works three and a half days a week. So not right. only does he have a more profitable entity, a growing entity, he's now working when he wants to work, doing the work he wants to do. So once he got out of his pride and ego, yes. he, he was able to put that aside. He was able to make the transformative changes that were required. Yeah, I had, I had I, the same thing in my business. I had, you know, I had this ego. It was my baby. I started it. I parachuted all these guys in. But when they were in there, I was looking over and checking on them. And then when I have this, this other guy coming up, I had that same problem. But, but now it's like, you know, I, I've been able to remove myself and it, you know, your ego takes a bit of a punch with that, but I'm not needed. The business has done 10 times better without me than with me. And I, and I lie when I say I, I, wor- I spend about half a day a week with the business. I, I don't. It does. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, it, it, it's really interesting because it was a journey that I recently went through. Like we've helped clients for a long time to build businesses that work without them. And it was last year I'd said to my partner at the time, I was like, I'm feeling really incongruent. Like we provide this offering to our clients. We're very good at it, but yet I'm still working the business because I love it. And I was like, like they love their businesses too. So I'm going to take myself through the journey I've taken them through. And the interesting thing was, is I knew I would hit this point where my ego and my sense of identity would get annihilated, Mm -hmm. which was why, you know, uh, Nigel, I moved to Bali and took up surfing. Like I needed a distraction. So I didn't sabotage that exiting of my business and jump back in. And so I moved to Bali, started to learn to surf, play guitar and write a book, which were three things that were so far out from my comfort zone. But see, I honestly believe that we never ever have business problems. We only ever have personal problems that get expressed through our business. Mm -hmm. Like I honestly believe that, you know, and if we can work on us as a business owner first, it's it's always inside out. Oh, go ahead, Andy. I was just going to say, everybody needs that support. You know, we, we talk to a lot of different groups and it, it comes around to a lot of the same themes is that, you know, you, you can't, you can't do life alone. You can't do business alone. You know, if, if I was having heart problems, I wouldn't watch a YouTube video and try to commit, you know, do heart surgery on myself. Like, no, in businesses, you know, I know business, not heart surgery, but it's still very important. It provides your living you know, it, you wouldn't get legal advice from your brother, unless he was a lawyer, of course, but you know, you wouldn't get legal <laughs> advice from your best friend who claims he knows what you're, you know, what you're dealing yeah. with. You go to the experts and nobody can do it on their own. There's, you know, and that, that's the one thing I think the, the sooner people realize that, you know, the best business leaders, the best leaders in general are the ones who have this, insatiable curiosity they want to learn they want yeah. to grow and because you 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 know none of us know it all none of us do you know yeah. we all need to learn we all need to be to have someone in our corner helping us with our blind spots helping us holding us accountable because quite often like like you yeah. you know until i joined eo you know, it's, it's like the lone wolf. I read yeah. a few books and, you know, I knew mm-hmm. what I need to do and I just need to plow forward, but you can't do life alone. 
Yeah, I think those are key key tips that you mentioned there, Andy, is that uh, for all of us, I'd say for all of us, that joining EO was incredible for, for how yeah. many years we've been in. And then in a focus group, or we call it a forum group, inside EO has been absolutely incredible. And then with the coaching, so it's it's that constant evolution. It's that constant reaching out, looking for, yeah. looking asking for help, realizing we do need help. And it's from the peer groups to the coaching to the, it's it's all there. And it's, an, it's a never-ending um uh, cycle, you know, you got to keep uh, evolving. Gonna, yeah, on that, it's committed to the process. Like, we, we meet clients who jump in and in a month or two months, they don't get the results that they expect. And it's yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to leave and find someone else. And it's like, the reality is, is us or, or you guys, it's like we've got proven track record. But, right. you know, you've got to understand that it's taken you five years or 10 years to put your business into a hole or to, to create what you've created. You can't expect to hire a coach for a month or two months and have the whole entire thing turned over or not like stick to the process like give it six months give it 12 months give it two years if you truly want to create that business that can work without you yeah, yeah for absolutely. sure and I think, you know to, to both of andy and nigel's points you know an entrepreneur alone is an entrepreneur at risk yes. and yeah. you know if you if you're looking for a coach people ask often like well how do you vet a coach how do you select a coach and i always say you know, there's you know I like Andy's analogy of the of the heart surgeon. I don't want necessarily want a heart surgeon who's po posing in front of a yacht with three bikini, you know, Instagram models that he doesn't know who are going to leave him as soon as the shoot's over. Uh, I want the the guy who's been you know been there, done that, and survived it. Whether it's tough, like some of the tough conversations we're talking about, whether it's a recession, you know, how, how have you pulled out? You know, there's nothing worse than calling up a coach saying, "Hey, I don't think I'm going to make payroll." He goes, "Okay, well, let me look in my book." And on page seven, they said. Uh, call a bank. Okay, I already did that. You know, you, you know, between the four of us, I'm sure we can say here are 17 different ways to go find some money by tomorrow, so you can make payroll on Friday. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, we've got time for a couple of quick questions here. So, uh, Brett from Sydney, amazing story from the guys so far. Was burnout ever an issue? What were their own steps to address if it was? Yeah, um, yeah, burn, burnout was definitely an issue for for all yeah. of us. <laughs> You know, you do need to take care of yourself and uh, I'll, I'll give a, a shout out to Nigel here, but uh, I never, I, you know, for, for myself, I've gotten into this habit of uh, meditation, actually, just mindfulness yeah. and meditation, never believed in it, never did it. And Nigel, my good friend kept doing it, kept saying how it's been helpful for him. So and I've, it's been two years now and I, I can't imagine not doing it, but regardless, you need the downtime. You know, when yeah. I know when I was going through the hard times, my kids were one year, one year old and, and a four year old. And at the end of every day, no matter how bad things got, I'd come home and I would call it floor time. Like how much floor time did I have? Cause I'd sit on the floor and I'd just be with them Yeah. and I couldn't be thinking about work, but you need that. You need that. Yeah. I that, found the, it, I found the breaks as well. Like it, that's the one thing that I've been pretty consistent on for the past 30 years is that we started our little business and I would take off with my wife when we go to the Himalayas and go trekking or we were, we were, we were climbers too. So we, we did a lot of rock climbing. We take off for two weeks and that was the place where it was the quiet. And that's the place where I could process all the problems that were going on. I would come back totally refreshed and it was amazing what would happen after that. Yes. But, but I got into that rhythm. I, I call it, I, I, and I, I honestly call this whole thing, not a life balance, but a life rhythm. You got to be in that rhythm and the flow. And it's just when you're in that space in the sweet spot, the magic happens. And, yeah. but we do need, like, 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 like Andy said, we do need that separation from our business um, just to regenerate. It's, and it's amazing it's, what it does. It's amazing. 
and it's counterintuitive. It's like, oh, I've got so much stuff to do, but it's like actually taking time yeah. out and honoring you first and honoring the balance that you, that's required for you as a CEO, yeah. again, allows yeah. those things like to reprioritize, to get new ideas, new inspiration, and you're, you're a ton more productive as well. But yeah. you've got to kind of force yourself to be pulled away from the chat. Yeah, like Barry, like Barry, you right now, you're, you're in Bali, right? And you're going to go, so you've been surfing. How, how good do you feel after that? Like you're totally uh, regenerated, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Say no absolutely. more. Yeah. <laughs> Not working a lot at the moment, but but surfing still helps to regenerate. <laughs> uh, another question here from Trent for Sydney. Uh, working on my own boutique digital agency, I can imagine Andy's obsession to innovate short media. Sorry if this sounds uh, insensitive, but question for all three. Uh, if there is no client fit slash uh, compatibility, can they say no to some clients during this time of crisis? So, uh, so I'm really clear for my coaching and speaking business, I, I'm a retired CEO. I've done my hero's journey. I want to help someone else go on their hero's journey. I just want to guide them. And for me, um, if someone's not coachable, then I'm not for them. And part of being coachable, as Andy referenced earlier, is being held massively accountable because that's where they go off the track. That's where I went off the track. And my coach that I had for six years held my butt accountable to the point of like daily check-ins when I was at my worst. And if someone's not willing to be held accountable and there's a process I put them through to discover that, and if they're not willing to do it, then they're not for me. And that's okay. Cause they can go be coached by someone else who's possibly a better fit. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, 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 it sounds like the person asking the question has a, has a media agency or, or some sort of a digital marketing agency, similar to what we do maybe. And, and I'm, I'm about to have one of these conversations next week. The person shall be, be, be remain unnamed, but you know, they, um, you know, I, I look at it, you know, with the, with our marketing company, we are like in a lot of ways, like a personal trainer or like a business coach, or, you know, if you want to get fit, you can go to the gym, you can do it yourself, or you hire a trainer who will hold you accountable. will make sure you're making progress and so on. And on the marketing side, you know, I, I, I have a client that is not getting their side of the work done. So we're not able to deliver our stuff. And I'm going to have this conversation next week with them saying, you know what, unless you change, like we're not going to bill you for November because we keep chasing you. And it's not like we're, we're not getting the work done. We're not doing you any good. Yeah. And it's a comfort thing for him. He wants us on the retainer, but we're not comfortable doing that because we're not doing anything for them. So I think even during this time of COVID, I would ask yourself, you know, if you have a wrong fit on a with a client, how much time are you spending extra time and resources and cycles and thought, brain power on trying to make it work with this client that maybe is opening up their checkbook, but they're not, you know, fulfilling their end of the bargain. They're not moving, you know, they're not moving forward. They're not good for your business. You may not be, not be good for theirs how much resources are you wasting there? And what could you do if you spent those resources on a client that actually yeah. appreciated what you did? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, love that. You know, that you could grow with. I yeah. think that's really important. And there's something very, very, very freeing to being able to say no to a client and say, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, we're just not the right fit for you. Mm -hmm. love I think yeah. any startup, you can't do that at the beginning. Nobody ever does. But yeah. boy, when you get to that point, you, because yeah. I remember three, four years in us saying, you know what, this person wanted to come back and she was the worst client. 
And I said, I'm sorry, but we're just not the right fit. And six months later, she came back again. She said, I really want to do this other project. Will you guys take me on? I said, no, I'm sorry. You've got to love these Canadians saying how sorry they are that you suck sorry. at doing your job. I, they're sorry. Nice. They're nice about it, but we like, still dude, say, don't, don't go away, man. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to add to that, Nigel? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I feel the same thing as Andy that, uh, you know, when we first started out, when I first broke off and, and formed Aquaguard, we were doing everything for everybody. We were just doing yeah. any contract, low margin, high volume, just garbage contracts. And we just take anything that we could and put up with a lot of shit. Yeah. And, uh, and then it came to the point, it was like, we can't do this anymore, guys. We're, we're burning ourselves out. And so we refocused the whole company to, um, to, to high margin lower volume, but high margin offshore stuff. And, and then we pick and chose our clients and it life's been a heck of a lot easier than trying to do everything for everybody. It just didn't work for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Like re really good question from Trent and great summary. Yeah, great, great question. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to add something from a slightly different approach. Like I, I believe that the universe that life only ever says yes. And of course, when we start out a business, like we do have to take on board, we, we, we typically take on board all work for everyone. And we just say yes. But often when we say yes to others, we say no to us and, and say no to what's right for us. And, you know, one thing that we, we really, I guess, teach our clients around is saying no to those people. Because I think that when you say no to clients, you start to kind of almost condition the universe and what shows up for you. So when you say no to those clients, they almost stop coming. But, but one really magical thing happens is when you say no to those clients, it's like the next day, your ideal client walks in the door. But it's almost yes. like your ideal client can't walk in the door while you're still saying yes to all those people that aren't a good fit for you. True. Yeah. And, and there is a thing with business growth, like through different, uh, the evolution of any business from startup to scale up is there's an inflection point, you know, at the beginning you are saying yes to everything, but if you, you know, if you, if you say yes to everything, you'll grow to maybe a million dollar company and you'll plateau there. That'll be yeah. it. In order for you to scale, to rise above it, you got to start saying no, almost the, Rule of thumb, I've, I remember hearing one time, I don't remember where I heard it, but I always say, you know, you got to say no 20 times, you know, to every yes that you, you do say, you, you, every opportunity you say yes to. And it's when you start to focus on what are you going to be known for? What is your high, you know, whether it's high volume or high margin, what is the right business for you? And be hyper-focused on that and start saying no to others so that, like you said, you know, it is the universe Universe. universe is all, I always believe that the universe is kind and you get what you deserve most of the time. You know, you, there'll be ups and downs for sure. But if you're focusing on the right business for you, it'll find its way, you know, it'll, it'll work out. It'll work out. And yeah, it allows you to like, scale then. You simplify like you're, your saying, like you're saying, Andy, is like, once you get into that sweet spot, once you get that sweet spot, the snowball just grows and grows and grows yeah. and it's, and it's fun and it becomes fun, but it's, it's yeah. getting into that sweet spot. And, and you nailed it. I think Barry with, with what you were saying there, it, it the, yeah. the universe opens up and crazy stuff. It's amazing. You what just, happens. You just got to lean into valuing yourself you do. Uh, yeah. above any and all others. And also realize too, like I remember when I first started coaching, I was like 180 bucks a session and I would just have people that weren't showing up, but I wasn't valuing myself. And I'm like, but if I start charging more, my current clients can't afford me. And I remember a mentor said to me that they're like, it's like the ecosystem of the ocean. There's always like smaller fish to be eaten. And there's always larger fish to eat those smaller fish. It's your, it's your choice to decide where you want to play in the food chain. 
You know, they will still get served. They will still get looked after. This won't be by you. If you want to play that level, play that level. But if you want to become a, a whale or a shark, that's your choice as well. Just make the decision consciously. Yes. Um, guys, man, amazing conversation. I really enjoy connecting with you. Thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in live today or watched the replay. Uh, I'd love to know what was your top takeaway? Put in the comments and let us know. Um, quick question. How can they get in contact with you guys if they're wanting to, to connect more? What's the best way? On, on our website, 3ceos3.com, so 3ceos.com has all of our individual contact information as well as, you know, you can reach out, you know, if somebody is interested in, in having us come and speak on a podcast or something like that. But our individual information is there and that's the easiest way to remember it. And yeah, if there's something going out, we can include that. We can include it with that as well. But Fantastic. Yeah. We'll put a link below this uh, wherever you're watching on social as well. Guys, thank you so much for your time, your generosity, your stories, and uh, just really appreciate everything you've just said. I think there was a quite a, a comprehensive look into overcoming challenge and adversity, building great businesses. And again, thank you to everyone who's watched us live today as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, hey, Thanks thank Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Game Changers podcast. Uh, there's a couple of things I'd love you to do to help us and help yourself to spread the message further. Uh, make sure that you like the Game Changers on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, please subscribe by clicking the link below to ensure that you keep up to date with the weekly episodes we uh, share here at the Game Changers podcast with amazing entrepreneurs and business owners around the world. And of course, like if you're in a position where you may be overwhelmed with business or looking for a way to grow faster and more effectively, and you realize that the key to success is being surrounded by amazing people who have been there and done that before, I'd like to invite you to apply to have a game plan session one-on-one -on -one with one of my team here at The Game Changers. There's no cost. If you get through, uh, all that we ask is that you are doing a minimum of $250,000 per year to really be able to utilize the strategies and tactics and the mindset shifts that we share with you, uh, that you're coachable, that you're a decent person and you're, you know, you're willing to take on board some advice. If not, that's totally cool. Uh, but I know for me, I wouldn't be where I'm right now without the support of so many mentors and coaches and resources along the way. And I'd like to pay that forwards and give back to you the opportunity to work with uh, us one-on-one -on -one for free to put together a customized game plan. And the reason we're doing this is a couple of things. Number one is that sometimes it's just the smallest thing that can make the biggest difference. And uh, I think that entrepreneurs and business owners have the opportunity to change the world. And if we can maybe help you to, to make the smallest shift to change your life and your world, uh, you're changing ours in return. The second thing is that we are always looking for amazing clients to work with and to welcome into and invite into the Game Changers community. And so if at the end of the call, you do feel that there's a huge amount of value there, uh, that we fit, feel that there's a great values fit there, we can have a conversation about working together. But uh, this game plan call, there's absolutely no obligations to work with whatsoever. Allow us to help you with uh, the years and years and years of, of knowledge that we have in growing and scaling great companies. And uh, I think that uh, business owners are the future of the world. If there's a way that we can help you to create a better business, more profit, more fulfillment, more fun, I would love the opportunity to do that now. So click the link below, book your game plan session, make sure you follow us on social and stay up to date with the latest episodes of the Game Changers podcast. My name's Barry William McGinnity. Thank you so much for your support and look forward to seeing the next one. Bye for now.